hey, thanks so much for joining me today on the Cocktai Podcast. I'm your host, Gary. In case you're new to the show, I'm the editor and resident ice cream guy here at Fortner.com. So fair warning, every ice cream that enters the fort is tithed appropriately. You may have seen me as the DM for Quest for the Cure or Ice Holes, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, as Cicero on Cyberpunk Independence, as Doc on Scribes of Scrolls, or sailing on the SS Failboat over at Talon and Claw. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the show or follow us on social media at fortnerd.com. That's at fortnerd, D-O-T-C-O-M, or both. Both works for me, but whatever works for you is fine. Big news, this Saturday night, July 31st, is the next episode of Quest for the Cure. Our show starts at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Team Squad Up Twitch page, which I will, of course, include in the show notes. And it's not too late for you to enter to join us, either. Donate today. For every $25 you donate today, you earn a chance to win a seat at this weekend's game. Yep. You could play D&D with Ed Greenwood, the creator of the Forgotten Realms, D&D community manager Amy Lindazura, Star Wars game producer Blair Brown, comedian Emma Wakelin, or superhero Eric Morden. Donate 100 bucks, and that's four chances for you. Seems pretty good odds to me. My guest today is a man of many names. John, Jay, Riddles, Griddles. Now, I didn't test this out, but I feel like he'll respond to pretty much any name you call him. I'm trying Phil, so don't you try that name too. He's a talented graphic designer who's becoming an influential part of the TTRPG makerspace, contributing to a variety of high-profile projects across many incredible companies. So today, I hope you enjoy my chat with Jay from 88 Riddles. Hey, Griddles, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. So I always like to start with a very similar question because we're all existing in this gaming space. And I'm always curious how people got their start. So what was your first experience with gaming in general? Was it video games? Was it board games, TTRPGs? What was it? Uh, With gaming in general, it would be as a Mm -hmm. child um, playing games like Scrabble with all the adults. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yahtzee. there were different card games, uh, Uno, Skipbo, all that kind of stuff. When my uh, childhood growing up, Crazy Eights was a big one. You know, back when you, you just had a regular deck of cards and just you played your own version of Uno, basically Crazy Eights. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of started way back there, and I had the first Atari Twenty Six Hundred when it came out, and that kind of you know grew my my other gaming. And then as far as TTRPGs go. That was the Red Box edition back in like late '83, uh, starting off, you know, just in the Red Box. Do you have any memories of that first D and D game? What solidified the passion for you? Like, what what made it that now this is a lifelong hobby for you? What what do you have any memories of that? It was definitely because I was in uh, I was in middle school at the time, and. Let's just say home life wasn't always the best, mm-hmm. but like this was my core. Like th- these guys all became my brothers. Uh, you know, one of them I've known since fourth grade. Uh, I mean, not fourth grade since we were four, uh, and I I just visited him like two weeks ago on my way down moving here. So, uh, me and these guys have never like strayed away from each other too far. We're just that tight knit and. They were they were my second family and they were my escape and they you know they understood and they were there for me and the game was there for me and you know it was just all kind of 
meshed together into one big thing. So it wasn't just the game. It wasn't just the people. It was that nice common connection. And that's one thing I've been lucky enough to enjoy when I do play. I'm able to find, I've been able to find groups of people that meld together like that and become more than just gaming friends. So it almost for you wasn't just the enjoyment of the game, but it was the comfort that you got playing with the people and sort of starting from a young age. Yep. Yep. Got it. Obviously the pandemic significantly has impacted how we interact with each other as human beings. Have you been able to game during the pandemic or is it something you've had to temporarily set aside while we need to, to sort of stay apart? I've actually had one game consistently every Sunday night, Pathfinder, Homebrew, which uh, uh, consistently and we sometimes it's in person, sometimes depending on what the 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 rules of engagement were from uh, the government. You know, it was it was by uh, play 20 or roll 20. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and it's it's been an interesting one because we actually have three different DMs running this campaign. <laughs> that that sounds like a story. What how what's the origin of three different DMs and how does it work? Um, well, we were wrapping up the previous campaign. Um, before that, before we got to the end of that campaign, I you know our DM definitely needed a break, and you could tell it he was burning out before we got to the end of the, the previous campaign. So I jumped in and did a. a, a basically like a one shot uh but you know had everybody roll up their their own little separate characters yada yada but it kind of grew into the fact that you know we had three dms in our campaign all capable of running a game and we decided when we built this new world for the the current campaign that the main the the main dm was going to run the whole thing but when they went over to like this section of the world that was where i took over as the dm and when they went to this section of the world, that was where the other guy took over his DM so that these different parts of the world also had different flavors and played differently. And so it made it more of a, a true whole world kind of approach. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, talking a little bit now about your career, you're a very talented artist. A lot of my listeners are have experienced your art. I mean, I know I own four shirts. Apparently I'm getting a broadside bitches hoodie too. I don't know. <laughs> Um, your work has appeared on TTRPG products like Talon and Claude DM screens and Kickstarters, uh, posters, mugs, even pillows. I saw. Yep. When did you know that you wanted to be an artist? That's a rough one because it's kind of like, when do you define that you are an artist? A, A lot of people have very creative pursuits. Um, and still will never consider themselves an artist. So it's just, you know, a matter of when you, de- when you define yourself as an artist, but I've been doing art since I was a kid. Um, you know, and mom always encouraged that because she herself had her own artistic pursuits and craft pursuits, you know, with glazing pottery, photography, all this other stuff. So it was, I was kind of surrounded by it from her and my grandmother. So just, I don't know. I never really considered myself an artist per se. I am a designer. Uh, I do some artistic stuff, but yeah, so that's kind of where that lies. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um, when did you take the plunge and make the creative pursuit that you're now working in your career? 
That would have been, let's see, I've been doing this for a year, five years, about six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had attempted it one time before, and it was a six-month-long stint working for uh, a company down in Delaware by the name of Decal Girl. Mm-hmm. And this was when uh, console skins were becoming popular. And Decal Girl was kind of at the forefront of that. Uh, so I went and I was working for them as a designer. Um, and, you know, production person and kind of just like filling whatever holes I could, but mostly a designer. And that, that was like, shoot, like 12 years ago. And it was kind of a rocky experience for me. And I, I, so I kind of stepped away from it and went back to some things I was familiar with, uh, which was, you know, dealing in the casino and then going back to logistics and working in warehousing. Um, but then the opportunity came up when I was working at, uh, this company called iMerchandise, and I'm not a fan of plugging them, but that's the name of the company. I can't help it. Uh, I went working for them in, in logistics, working in their warehouse, and they found out I had photography skills, and they needed a product photographer, so I jumped into that role, and they said, oh, you can also do design work? I'm like, yeah, I can do design work. I have my own shops on the side, and they're like, okay, we'll take that on too, and you know, next thing I know, I'm running the production department and I'm running their, their, uh, uh, design department. And it just, you know, it, it was a very turbulent five years working with them. Uh, and not all on their fault, part of it, my fault, but you know, uh, yeah. So it's been six years where I've kind of like had design as like the, the forefront of my, my life. What's the origin of the name 88 riddles? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> um, I've always enjoyed riddles. Uh, and I feel like the biggest life itself is is a riddle. And you can either choose to try and figure it out or you can just be part of it. Um, so the, the riddles was just kind of a, a fun name for me. Um, a word association that I, I enjoy playing with. But the 88 is where everybody gets hung up. <laughs> Because 88 in certain circles has very uh, ugly connotations. For me, 88 is my birthday. I was born on 8-8. And when I turned 8, it was 8-8 of 80. When I turned 16, which is 8 plus 8, it was 8-8 of 88. 8 kind of runs in my life. Uh, in, in ham radio talk... Uh, I believe 88 is how they hug, is their way of hugging, how they say hug. Uh, so, you know, 88, in my, my opinion, is uh, it's just a good number for me. It's, it's a number that's been with me my whole life, and I enjoy it, and I just thought it was kind of fun and different. And I have a friend who also was born on the same day, and he goes by 88, uh, Shutter 88. He's a great photographer over in uh, New England. So, yeah, I just kind of. And there's some really awesome people like, uh, let's see, you got Michael Irvin, War 88, mm-hmm. uh, Hall of Famer retired. Uh, Eric uh, Lindros, if you're a hockey fan. Yep, Eric Lindros. Uh, oh, shoot. Uh, Marvin Harrison out of Indianapolis. Another, mm-hmm. another Hall of Fame wide receiver. Uh, so, I mean, there's, a, there's, I'm not in bad company. <laughs> Using 88. No. <laughs> so. All right. What is the strangest thing your art has or your designs have ever appeared on? Uh, 
appeared on or been well because i saw the pillow i saw the mug i saw the stool i saw a tent is that a thing yeah it was kind of a tent it's just a a a sun barrier kind of thing that uh you probably saw that on what society six i'm thinking is where that one is which they they Mm -hmm. also have yoga mats and yoga towels uh shower curtains bedspreads (laughs) all that's uh rugs um I think the odd, I don't, I don't know what, what to consider odd. That's what's, um, I, I think it's, oh, geez, I have no freaking clue what I can say. Cause I used to do, I used to do designs for bathing suits, bikinis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done, when I was at I merchandise, I did designs for for uh, g strings. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so that that's out of I'd say that's out of the norm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, booty shorts. I used to do designs for booty shorts. So, uh, yeah, all kinds of interesting things I've done in the past and and whatnot. Um, do you remember the iPod Shuffle? Yes, I used to do designs for the skins on those. Way back in the day. So, you know, you wanted your shuffle to look like a pack of gum. <laughs> Things were there. That was you. <laughs> nice. Needless to say, there's a lot of different shit that you can put your designs on. Yeah. 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 That's basically, that's what I've learned in in the research for this interview. Because our research department is very limited here at Fort Nerd. And it's limited to me. Well, you, you have a high class uh, research department then, in my opinion. Yeah, it's uh, it's I, I hold many hats here. Did you know that at Fort Nerd, I'm the resident Bob Ross impersonator? As well? Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Do you have the fro, mm-hmm. though? Uh, I, I do not. But, uh, you know, it's like maybe the Tarasque is just a friend you haven't met yet. Yeah, could be. Could be. I mean, I don't think Bob Ross is right about that. But, you know, it's many hats is basically what I'm trying to say. Um, So you've collaborated with a ton of folks in the TTRPG space providing designs for dice vaults. And um, as I've said, shirts, t-shirts, mugs, you have, you run your own store, of course. I'm curious though about the collaborations because where, like, how did they start um, and why, like, why are they important to you? Collaborations are great in the aspect that it allows me to kind of reach a new audience and uh, it, I can turn that around and expose my audience to other companies that I feel are amazing. Um, and that, you know, they have solid quality product and I really want to help promote them. So sometimes me painting on their stuff or doing stuff for them can help me promote them. And we kind of, you know, cross pollinate that way. Um, it started. So I bought my first vault from Norse foundry. And they, they get all their, their vaults uh, or their hex chests were all coming from Elderwood. And I'd had this, this vault for a while, and I, I ended up buying a couple more. And uh, I just wanted it to be unique. I wanted my vault to be a little different. So I said, you know what? I can paint miniatures. I can paint terrain. I can paint all this other stuff. I'm going to paint my vault. And that's what I did. I painted my vault and uh, posted it on their Discord and people really dug it. And then I painted my other ones and people really dug those. And then I sent free, free versions of them to, uh, uh, 
Drew at Norse Foundry and uh, Eric, and they were like super impressed with it. And they reached out to Elderwood and put it in Elderwood's face and said, hey, look what this guy's doing with your stuff. Then uh, Q over at Elderwood reached out to me and it just, it kind of snowballed from there. And that was last October. Um, and now I'm, I'm working with people like, you know, obviously Andrew, uh, Anthony over at Talent and Claw, uh, still working with Elderwood. I do stuff with Cryptic Creative, uh, tabletop, uh, tabletop, uh, tabletop makers. Uh, I've worked with Aras Savad. Uh, in fact, now that I take it back, Aras Savad was my first collaboration in that market. I'd take cool. that back. Uh, she had seen some of my designs on um, my Etsy shop and that I was posting on Instagram at the time. And she had reached out to me and we actually did a collaboration where I set up artwork to work for her. Her, uh, We did the large bags, we did the pin bags, and we did the uh, trays. And she did a whole series of them and did orders and all that kind of I actually have uh, my big bag of holding right over here next to me with uh, my beholder on it. Not my beholder, my uh, mimic. So it's my, my mimic bag of holding. <laughs> so it was a Ross that uh, was your first. Yes. Yes. She was, she was my first and I, I still love her for that. And she looks amazing in my skirts, by the way. <laughs> Cause I, 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 I believe it. She's wonderful. Yep. Um, and, and the other, the other collaborations did they, did they start, organically people saw what you were doing with other companies and said, Hey, I'd love to work with you. Yeah. Or did you reach out to them? Um, I, I have found so far that the ones I reach out to generally kind of like, eh, you know, uh, it's much more pro I find much more energy when they come to me. There, there's, there's mm -hmm. a desire to make something happen. There's an, there's a vibe to it. Um, so you 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 feel like you have both sides kind of on board and and doing stuff, like like, and like you can absolutely see it with what they do at Talent and Claw in collaboration with me, and in their collaborations with Kate and and Zero and all, everybody you know the the, the the three artists that we are get a lot of buff from the crew at Talent and Claw anytime they. They do something with our work on it. They put us all three of us out there. Yada yada. You know, the, it's just yeah. So finding those kind of connections where both sides promote each other so heavily, there's it's hard not to succeed. Like look at the shirt that I did with Print Inkling just recently. The the Goblin shirt was a huge success in my opinion, and I was very happy with it. And I can't wait to do another collab with them. And yeah, working with, we're lucky, and I've said this on a number of interviews, we're lucky that in our space, the tabletop RPG space, that generally there aren't too many jerks and the jerks get drummed out pretty quick. I wish that were completely true, but I, I know it's not. <laughs> you, so you, you've, you've found the jerks, all of them. Not all of them, but there's, I've spoken out on one before and I'm not going to bring up names because I don't want to turn this into that kind of thing. But no, there are some people who have, you know, these super thousands of followers who have worked at really high places, who are very high profile, who are also just about themselves and what's in it for them. Uh, there, There's if yeah, 
yeah. Let's just say I, I, I've sent free product to, to some people and one in particular did like, yeah, they, they went, I have, I have heard that there are, I mean, of course there's bad eggs in every industry, but I think generally speaking, at least in my experience, I sound like I'm luckier than you. <laughs> no, uh, other than that, that, that major disappointment, uh, I've been really happy with the amount, not the amount, the quality of interaction that we get. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I think like some of the fans that I picked up from TNC, like Hawkmere, a prime example, Petra, I mean, these guys, the, the whole crew just like when they jump on board, they jump on board and they support you in so many more ways than, than just buying your stuff. Uh, Gary is a prime example. Gary d- doesn't, you know, he's, He's just always on Twitter promoting my stuff, even though he just he doesn't always have the opportunity to buy everything he wants to buy. Like all of us, you know, we're all kind of in, in that boat of like, there's too much good stuff. I can't afford it all. <laughs> uh, but he will like throw your name out there left and right and make sure that people are seeing your stuff because he loves your stuff, too. Now, I, I'm curious about was your design with. Um, Aras, your first nerd-inspired TTRPG design. What was the origin of that in your design? Like, where did the the nerd stuff come into it, or is that something you've done for, from the beginning? Uh, well, but even before Aras, I was doing stuff like that. I was, um, I was trying very, very hard when I worked uh, at that previous company to convince them that we needed to kind of follow this path. And this was at that point five years ago. So it would have been, you know, very early on in this kind of like before the, the whole critical role explosion. Um, but you could see that there, even five years ago, that there was a wave coming. There was a change coming in our, our, our circles. And I wanted to, to be on the forefront of that, working with that company and trying to get that company to be like a major presenter of it. And, convincing them was impossible. So while I was working for them, I ended up doing some, you know, basically D&D designs, uh, which did well, better than most of the other stuff that was going on. And I still couldn't get them to buy into it. So, you know, I decided, well, if you don't want it, I'm going to start just doing it myself and I'm going to put it out myself. And that's kind of when I started doing my own stuff at Society6 and Redbubble and, and getting those things going and, throwing out my other designs that yeah, I felt like, you know what? I, I'm tired of these guys making money off of me and me not really seeing much of any of it. So I'm going to bring it home. And that's when I started doing my own thing. And then I died of a heart attack and then they laid me off while I was recovering from death. <laughs> and that's when I was like, you know what? Screw corporate world. I'm doing this all on my own from here on out. And that's how 88 got started. You've created, and of course, we're we're glad that the force kept you with us uh, naturally. <laughs> um, I felt it. I was I was like, should I lead into my next question? No, we need to talk about the important thing, but I need to let it percolate a minute Uh-oh. because, <laughs> uh, no, 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 um, no. We're glad uh, we're glad you're with us, and uh, of course, if it wasn't for you leaving the slog of corporate life, we never would have met, and I wouldn't have five riddles shirts. <laughs> I mean, it's easier to buy them two at a time. 
it's just well you get free shipping that way you well yeah <laughs> i mean of course of course i bought two shirts and then the next day you created the dm cast negative inspiration shirt because you're obviously in with big shipping well somebody wanted me to create that shirt i don't know who but i i, I believe somebody asked for that design well <laughs> i feel attacked <laughs> Somebody's got negative inspiration in this call and it ain't me. Oh, oh, is that how we're rolling now? <laughs> that's, that's how we're rolling now. Um, you've, so you've created dozens of unique designs, probably more than that. Where do you draw inspiration from and what are some of your personal favorites? Uh, okay. Well, hopefully you don't get motion sick easily. Okay. So like, I keep a plethora of artwork from all kinds of various people, some mm -hmm. in the TTRPG community, some otherwise. Uh, I have like a ton of like Marvel and DC artwork that I keep around and I mm -hmm. collect comics. I read comics. I read my, I, a huge Marvel cinematic universe fan. The end of Loki mm -hmm. was amazing. I loved it. Um, but music, uh, comic books, I mean, it all bleeds into where a lot of my inspiration and ideas come from. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, just I'm a geek and a nerd in general. So, okay. yeah. So it, it comes from everywhere. Yeah. What are what are some of your personal favorite designs of the stuff that's really jumped out to you that you really enjoyed making or you've enjoyed seeing the reaction to in particular? Um, Goblin Shiny Mathrox, as far as like recent stuff goes, I I hoped it would be a fun one. And then when because uh, I, I the original design was done for the uh, the tabletop traveling trays from. Uh, tabletop makers from their Kickstarter, and that was where the the, the first one uh, I, I designed it to specifically format and fit that uh, item. I'm going like, you know what? I really like this, so I I put it on some shirts and and whatnot. Um, it was ironically the top seller they had in their Kickstarter, so yay! I did something right, uh, <laughs> and that popularity translated very easily when uh, I partnered with. Uh, print inkling uh mm -hmm. to do my first shirt with them and they're gonna like oh we need to use the gold ink on this one and make it really shiny and it was just it was perfect it was a great combination so yeah the the reaction to that one design has been amazing and its popularity has brought on a lot of people to to my stores it is actually be starting to become one of the top sellers on my society six page um mm -hmm. if you look at the, the more recent sales and like um so that one but i think my favorite overall is the one that's uh my my logo is semi inspired by because i did a um a rainbow lgbt d20 kind of design it was one of the mm -hmm. first ones i did and i did it all with a combination of markers and crayons and pencil colors and doing like the, the blending techniques i know how to do by hand and like taking that and then photographing it taking the pieces out, rebuilding pieces digitally, doing a little bit of digital splash to it. And it was like one of my first designs that I really fell in love with. Um, and it did, it was successful for at least a couple of years uh, as one of my top sellers before it kind of dwindled out and kind of 
I guess I guess people got bored with it. <laughs> so, but it might be one I'll bring back again. Who knows? What do you you think your work, your design work, and your business? What what does that communi- What does it communicate about you? How, how does it show who you are? Hmm, that is a good question. Um, I am definitely an all inclusive kind of person. Uh, I like experiences. I like having a variety of experiences. And I think that's one thing like with the way I do some of my stuff, um, is that I try to use as many different approaches and styles that I can kind of come up with to combine things together. Um, and, uh, I think that's pretty well illustrated in the stuff that I do. I do a a big variety of design styles, I think. Um, I don't get too much into the, the, admittedly, I don't go cute that often. You know, I don't do a lot of the kawaii stuff, which I know is popular, but it's just, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that market is very heavily covered. I think the, uh, more intense heavy metal version of artwork is kind of covered and I like to play in that ground in between where there aren't a lot of like mid ground stuff. And that's why I kind of play in, you know, mm-hmm. cause I mean, I could easily do a lot of heavy metal inspired stuff, but there's already some great content out there and it would just be competition against me and I'd be taking sales away from them at the same time. And I would rather kind of like find my own little vibe and kind of just run with that. Yeah. And you know, I've had that con it's interesting that you say that because I've had that conversation with Anthony about trying to stay away from things that are, I mean, obviously everybody has their own core product, but trying to wait, trying to stay away from things that are too similar because they're like, well, I don't want to take money away from them when we can sort of do our own thing. Right. Um, The thing that I find incredible about you is that you're able to turn designs from a kernel into something finished very quickly um how are you able to translate your art from idea to execution and i'm like you know you had the dm cast negative inspiration shirt it took you like 20 minutes maybe i'm exaggerating but it didn't take you very long and all of the talent and claw stuff we're bantering back and forth in the discord and there's a shirt almost immediately how does that how does that happen and how do you make it appear effortless I use great tricks from some of the greatest graphic designers out there and they're called clip arts and things like this. Use mm-hmm. there's all right so say the the rope design around that that outer ring, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's already done that. There and tell you honestly, probably 100 people have already done that and they've put it out there for sale. And so I go to places like Creative Market is my favorite place. And I will buy like the stuff I, I know should be easy to find in there. I'll pay for that. I will pay a commercial license and say, I need that piece so I can use it to make my work faster. So like the pointing finger for DM's inspiration. I, I mean, yeah, I could draw that if I want, but somebody's already put the time and effort into doing it. They've got this, you know, they've already got it out there. All I gotta do is pay for it. And if I pay for it, I can get it and I can incorporate it into what I'm doing. And that's the, the, the fun part is like taking some of my work, 
some of the stuff that I've done and drawn on my own and incorporating these quick pieces that I can pull from other sources like Creative Market and clashing those together in ways that other people wouldn't either think of or because they don't have my artwork, they wouldn't be able to do on their own. So there's always going to be something unique into my stuff, even if like the... The, the ship in, in the ones I did for Talon and Claw, how the fact that the ship is half sunken. <laughs> because uh, you guys kept blowing up your own ship. <laughs> Listen, it's not blowing up the ship. It, it's testing for weaknesses to ensure that it's the survival of the fittest failboat. It's <laughs> mostly purposeful. That's a thing. Blowing up our own ship. I mean, yeah, we fucking do that. <laughs> Jake and his stupid barrels. And Anthony trying to hide them. Ridiculous. Oh, but it's great comedy. It's great watch. It's good content. Yeah, it's, it's fucking something. Now I got to put a content warning on this because I'm enraged, as you can tell. Uh, I'm curious about a couple things related to your designs because... I'm wondering what was your most difficult piece? Um, is there something that you were working on that you struggled with? And if so, why did it challenge you? And if not, then well, just cut it and move on. Uh, there have been a lot of times where I've caught myself struggling uh, and just being challenged. And uh, I'm going to stick with just my stuff that I've done uh, for my own stories. I'm not going to reflect back mm-hmm. too far. Um, there are certain, uh, trying to think. All right. So here's, here's a good example to, to kind of keep things on, keep things moving without me getting lost in my own thoughts. Um, trying to make you, 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 you have to, like with the 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 blood rave the the blood moon we'll do we'll do that one as a, as a simple one because everybody that's okay. that's been a very surprising design it, it blew up uh for talent and claw it is blown up for elderwood academy uh i'm hoping that it's going to carry over into cryptic creative um but that design has just been super popular and it has a variety of ways that i can paint it and I think for the most part that with, with a design like that, it wasn't, you know, what can I do? But as a, as a designer, as an artist, it's always learning where to draw the line and stop. And I think that's the hardest thing that a lot of designers get themselves trapped into. Um, so like when it comes to, to painting these things, I had to, I have so many different ways I can paint them, but how do I offer it? where I can consistently provide the same outcome, the same quality product at the end, the, the blood moon versus a blue moon versus a silver moon. That's easy stuff. But you start getting into like, I, I experimented on a couple of them where I painted the whole thing red and then did an antique red effect. And I'm going like, but is that something that's really going to be needed out there? Or is it something I'm, I'm just kind of overstepping and doing more than I should, you know? Um, so I just, I kept it, I had to learn to kind of like pull back, sell those off as one of a kind originals. And just for the, for the pre-order stuff, let's stick to stuff that's a little more accessible and easier to pull off and 
Uh, I think the most complicated thing I've done in that aspect is doing like the the celestial raven, the one with the the kind of like universal kind of like stretching thing behind it. So, yeah. Okay. But yeah, I think to shorten that answer, learning to pull back and not go overboard is probably more challenging for me than pulling a lot of stuff together. Because you can always do more. It's where do you draw the line? Right. And that's the challenge sometimes. Got it. Now, I'm curious to the contrast of that. Because has there been a piece that was like so easy that it was basically took no work at all because it flew from your mind onto the computer? Oh, geez. Um, the honestly, the I mean the when I did the Mandalorian pieces, those were fun. The mm-hmm. Mandalorian inspired right. game yep. ones. Um, yep. The the and the fun part with like when you work with something that that is text based, um, especially something like a logo, you, not always. The Mandalorian logo, that is, at the time when it came out, that was a custom design. That wasn't a font you could just go out and download from somewhere. So if Mm -hmm. you were going to try to replicate it, you had to actually legit make your letters and Mm -hmm. then build from that. And so that was a, it it was quick and easy for me because I've been doing typography since uh, 1989. So okay. playing with fonts is just a, a thing I enjoy, and that was that was one of those ones. It was it it's clean, simple, and it looks on point and true when you have a game master wearing it, and it just. But it was actually a lot more work behind the scenes, but it, not in the head, just the time. That makes sense. Okay. Is there anything that you want to make? Or, but just haven't yet. Is there any some sort of long gestating idea in your mind that you just haven't gotten around to implementing? Uh, damn, that's a good question. Um, Thank you. I would have said yes, but there is a project I can't really openly talk about that is fulfilling one of those <laughs> bigger dreams. Rap bastard in the NDA. <laughs> always the NDA comes around. And just slaps me in the face. All right. Uh, I There are hints to it that I've posted recently from stuff that I've shared. So look at some of the stuff that I've shared that is on my pages. And you might get a hint at something that I was able to help design that I have never designed before. And uh, yeah. But I, next step would be and actually shoot. There's another one that I'm, another group that I'm working with that you can't, that talk I about? can't talk about. That would be really cool great, to talk. Great, yeah, great. I know. Right. This is wonderful content. Uh, <laughs> <I'm getting>. <laughs> um, <laughs> but honestly, I think the next thing that if I could find a way to really make it uh, affordable and feasible, I would love to paint uh, more things like DM screens. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the more, the, elaborate stuff that you can you can kind of have at your gaming table um i've you know obviously that's something that you can't get everywhere uh mm-hmm. but yeah i think i think that would be fun one for me to for for me to, to tackle and take on and kind of like see what i can do with it 
Uh, I mean, I've done trades, I've done boxes, I've done, you know, I sold miniatures, I do terrain, but this is something where, again, I think the only person out there that would even be close to competing with me um, would be Dogmite. Uh, mm -hmm. And I would love to work with more of their stuff, but then, you know, they, they, Bit expensive <laughs> to to, yeah. to bite into, yeah. so and they do it. They, uh, I'll be honest with you, they do a great job as far as their staining goes. Their staining is some really good stuff. But I think I could paint, do I could do more with a one on one kind of approach. I think. Sound sounds like what we need to do is we need to arrange a field trip to the Talon and Claw headquarters. And then you do like a weekend residence where you're just painting some DM screens and saving on shipping. I, I'm not against it. Just, you know, I'm not against it. <laughs> just a matter of me. All right. Affording well, it's a part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, all right, Griddles. I really appreciate your chat today. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're it. most welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. So subscribe, okay? It's always great having you join me, and remember, if the die is cocked, it doesn't count. I look forward to chatting with you again next week.